Welcome to Big Hospitality United We Stand podcast. I'm Joe Lutrerio and today we're talking to Wingfest founder Richard Thacker. His event started life in a pub car park but has grown to become a major player on the food festival scene with events in London, Manchester and Bristol. So thanks for joining us uh, uh, Rich, how are you today? I'm very well thank you, the sun is out and I've got my health. <laughs> and um, How about you? Yeah I'm very good thank you. So clearly, uh, the coronavirus crisis has hit street food and events just as badly as it's hit restaurants. What's the current situation with Wingfest? Yes, that's right. So yeah, Bristol Wingfest was the first year that we uh, we launched it this year. Ticket sales are absolutely flying; been really well received in Bristol. Uh, but it was due to be in May, so uh, obviously it looks like lockdown, etc., is still going to be carrying on towards the end of May. Ticket sales was, ticket sales stalled when everything got announced. So yeah, we were we thought uh, we took the initiative to cancel it. And the next one on the schedule for, for this year is, is, is London, which is presumably the, the, the original and biggest ring fest. Yeah, that's it. So London was where it all started five or six years ago, 350 people in the pub car park. Uh, and now we do 10,000 people in the Olympic Park. Um, it's definitely the flagship event. It's the one out of all three that we've we, we would most like to go ahead. So, and we've all, obviously, well, tickets have sold out as well on the Saturday and they almost sold out on the Sunday. We're still seeing some ticket sales at the moment, which is really encouraging. So fingers crossed, although that might be a bit optimistic, that we're still going to be able to go ahead in, in mid-July. And have you been able to give any, is, is it too early to think of, of, of what measures you put, put in place to, to ensure it was the event was run as safely as possible? So because obviously at the moment we don't know what the guidelines are going to be. If, if measures are put in place, you can't really run a festival. I mean, you've got st- the nature of a festival is people stand in front of stages. There is a lot of queuing. If we suddenly have to you know, social distance at a festival, it means that the capacity is no longer the capacity. So it means you then can't have the amount of people in the space, which means then obviously commercials don't stack up. Um, obviously, I, our ideal scenario is that all of this is sold and we can go back to normal because as it stands, it probably isn't feasible to run a festival with the current conditions. So it is pushing the, the, the festival, the London iteration of the festival back later into the year an option? Yes, definitely. We're exploring that. Uh, I think ideally it'd be push it back to September. Uh, one, because we still need the weather. I think only after September, the weather's not going to be great. Two, hopefully there's a little bit of breathing room to get through the other side of, of this. Um, however, there's obviously a lot of talk as well at the moment that large scale gatherings aren't going to be allowed potentially until you know, even next year. So the concern for us is we announce a rescheduled date. We go through, you know, obviously um, all the operational side of rescheduling, production, moving the event, but then also the customer service side. Um, which is quite a lot of work and we move everything to September but then in September again it's still not allowed um, so that's the kind of the, the, the game that you know the, the balance that we're trying to get at the moment is if we're going to if we are going to reschedule it to this year we've got to be sure that it's going to go ahead um, otherwise we'd be forced obviously move it to next year um, but I think it's an easier conversation to have with customers if you're only moving the event once. How many traders are expected to be to be showing up at, at the London uh, event? Yeah, so for London, we have 35 traders in total. Um, they, the 
the, the spaces of that more or less filled up the first month that we announced uh, what dates the events were going to be. It's, it's very, very popular. We're very fortunate that it's in high demand. Um, one of our concerns, obviously, in this period is uh, hopefully, with fingers crossed, that all traders that we've engaged will still be trading on the other side of this. Um, we've, we've actually set up a fund from some of the Bristol money. So if people didn't want a refund or didn't want to swap their tickets to another event, they could donate their money to the traders because um, obviously we want to give them as much opportunities we can to survive this period and be trading on the other side so that we can all get our wing fit. But um, yeah, that is obviously something that we've we've thought about, uh, that potentially some of the traders might not be around uh, on the other side of this, which is worst case scenario. Um, what, what, uh, uh, presumably you, the, the traders are mostly street food operators, but are, are there some restaurants as well? We've, we've got a pretty good mix between street food and bricks and mortar restaurants. Um, the reason being that is because the whole premise of the festival was to put smaller operators on the same level as restaurants in a chance to obviously compete for the best wings in London or the best wings in the UK. So we do try and have a mix of street food traders, pop-ups and restaurants. Sure. And I think obviously a lot's been written certainly on our on our platforms about about the the challenges faced by restaurants, maybe perhaps a little bit less about street food traders because i guess that there is a, a bit of a sort of out of sight out of mind thing because obviously street traders aren't trading they're not they're not visible they've just had to completely shut down i mean how is that sector presumably that sector is faring pr- pretty pretty appallingly at the moment yes from the conversations i've had with the with the, the guys that trade at Wingfest, yeah it's, it's a pretty tough time for them i think a few of them slipped through the cracks in uh just you know the financial government support that's been put out there the very nature of street food involves people being outside interacting queuing up they can't just operate a delivery kitchen to try and see them through this so the ones i've spoken to are definitely you know they're, they're keeping their spirits up and remaining optimistic but it's definitely a hard period for them for sure yeah they presumably just had to completely hibernate i mean i guess the one ex- advantage of being a street food operator is that your fixed costs are, are going to be much lower than a, than a restaurant Yes, definitely. You don't have, yes, absolutely. You don't have the fixed costs the restaurants do, which is certainly an advantage. But at the same time, you know, you, if you've got no money coming in, um, I'm sh- sure a lot of them don't necessarily operate a, a payroll system for themselves because of those small operators. So they have to then hope that they're eligible for the, the self-employed scheme that the government are running. But so, yeah, you're right. Fixed costs are not there, but I think there's other, other pressures. On there the are budget, other challenges. Which could sure. cause issues. Yeah, sure. yeah. And tell me a little bit about um, about your, your background and, and, and how you came to, to found. So my family, I grew up on a chicken farm um, and my dad, when I was growing up, always used to say to me, do something with chicken wings. Don't go to university, do something with chicken wings. <laughs> um, and so that's, that, that, that sat with me for years, really. And I, everywhere I went, I'd write down recipes, I'd make notes on bars. I'd, you know, just, I, I, it was always sitting in the back of my mind. It was something I wanted to do, but it probably wasn't until I was, 28 or 29 that I actually decided to do something about it. I was just in a sales role in, in London previously. So um, I set up a street food uh, brand called Randy's Wing Bar. Um, and then alongside of that, I was inspired by the festival in, uh, in Buffalo in New York, National Buffalo Wing Fest. I thought, oh, there's, there's room for that here. And it'd be a great way to promote the street food um, side of things. So we set up London Wing Fest. London Wing Fest and it just ballooned really like first year 350 tickets in a pub car park just 
sold out overnight. We had a bit of TV coverage, I think, on the Sunday morning brunch, and they just sold out. And then it went from strength to strength. 350 the first year, 900 the next year, 2,500 in the third year, 5,000 in the fourth year, then it went up to 10,000 in the in the fifth year. And then this year, partnered with uh, Gorilla Events, they bought into the brand, and we're now looking to do 22, or if it wasn't for COVID, 22,000 across three cities. So yeah, it's quite quite exciting uh, growth. And what else is on is on offer uh, at, at the festival? I'm sure, obviously, it's wings focused, but uh, you know, tell us what else you can you can eat, eat there and, and drink there, and and, and presumably live music and all that sort of stuff. So it is definitely 100% for wing lovers. There is no other food there other than wings. Um, last year we did introduce a chip stool for the first time ever, um, but it is essentially just chicken wings. Uh, entertainment wise, we've got two stages now we've got the main stage which uh, all the bands play on the DJs all the major eating competitions happen so that um, uh, like a volume winging eating challenge you have to eat a certain amount of wings as fast as you can uh, and then we have a vice challenge lava wing challenge which is now legendary for basically making people not very well and then we have a uh, introduced about two years ago we have the chicken shed stage and on that goes all the food demos, uh, barbecue demos, cooking demos. We have magicians. We have um, uh, line dancing, kind of kind of the smaller kind of street start, um, street entertainment. Uh, and then throughout the day, there are just musicians wandering around. We have axe throwing. We have fairground rides. And you said the um, event was inspired by a, a, a wing festival in, in New York. I mean, how much of an influence has America had on the festival and, and what happens there? Obviously, chicken wings are quite an important part of American food culture. Yes, definitely. Yeah, we've definitely got that Americana inspiration. That's what we're going for. Americana inspiration with a twist of, uh, I guess, London on it for the, for the London Wing Fest. But um, yeah, we very much, that, we kind of inspired, a bit like that old school, think of that old school, um, high school, Greece fairground, you know, in the Greece movie where they have the uh, uh, the fairground kind of scene in it. That's kind of the background inspiration. It's when we have like carousels and things like that going on. So in the in the US, specialist chicken wing places are an important part of the casual dining market, and there's been a lot of growth in chicken restaurants over the last five years here, but there seems to be very few places that only serve wings. Why do you think that is? So there, yes, there are. There definitely aren't as many chicken wing specific restaurants as there are say, burger restaurants, but there are a considerably lot more chicken wing focused restaurants now than there were, say, five years ago. Um, and there is definitely an explosion in chicken focused casual dining sector restaurants. And all of them do make a big thing about chicken wings. Um, the chicken scene, the fried chicken scene, and the wing scene in London, I would say, is actually is actually huge. It's, it's really popped the last three or four years. Um, in Manchester, it's certainly coming through. There's five or six really well-known restaurants up there that just specialise in chicken and have a big section on, on wings. And of course, we have um, Wingman's um, soon, hopefully, opening uh, a big site in Soho, following the the huge success of their their site in 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 Kilburn. Yeah, yeah, Wingman's the poster boys of uh, of uh, the wing the wing game. Um, they, I mean, those guys are great. They, I think they won they won wing fist both categories categories three years in a row. Um, so I'm constantly having to give them give them the trophy back. Uh, they're amazing. They've got a great restaurant in Kilburn. Um, obviously, started as street food, and they've got a great restaurant in Kilburn. 
uh, and now they're opening up an absolute beast of a place in Soho, which uh, I feel a little sorry for them because they were meant to be opening this month. Yeah. Um, but as far as I know, they've just delayed things and they'll be back. Well, we certainly hope they, they will be, and we hope you will be you will be too. It's obviously, it's very frustrating and a bit concerning. We're, we're fortunate that uh, we don't have many like ongoing overheads. So the brand, if the worst scenario happens and we weren't able to run any events this year, um, we would yeah. still be able to come back bigger and better in 2021. Yeah. Oh well, that is that is that is heartening to, to hear, and, and 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 a good note to yeah. to leave end on. But I hope it doesn't come to that, and I hope you you manage to run Absolutely, some of your events. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very much. Great to meet you.